a lot of this letter you know, kind of speaks for itself. I don't guess I have anything additional to add. Hello, I'm Annette, and thank you for listening to my podcast. Allow me to set the stage for today's episode. You may have seen the recent uptick on the news about the chaotic school board meetings across the country. Those are happening in many parts of Texas as well. Board members and school employees are being bullied, abused, both verbally and even physically, called all manner of tacky names, and both they and their family members are being threatened. These explosive meetings have become so much a part of the current zeitgeist that even Saturday Night Live is parodying them. The National School Board Association asked for help from the feds, and the U.S. Attorney General responded by calling these disruptors domestic terrorists and has said the FBI will arrest them as such. These protesters are not your neighbor or the parent of a student in the district willing to come before the local board and express their concerns about schools and education, as well they should. These are folks fanned by the fires of hate and fear through a national agenda, trained to be disruptive, to take over our local boards, and even our PTAs, largely to promote both profiteering by hurting our local public schools and driving a particular ideology, dividing our communities. It is even leading to resignations by longtime educational leaders and school board members fed up with the divisiveness of the times. So, when a well-written op-ed landed in my lap from a source which will remain anonymous, I was happy to help it see the light of day. I decided the best way to do this, rather than just me reading it, was to bring many voices from across the state of Texas together as one voice to represent the countless hours of service with a collective total of 74 years of service from Texas school board members and public ed advocates on this call. If you add me to the mix, that makes 99 years of service. Thank you to all the folks who serve. You will first hear the op-ed and then comments from each of those participating. Have a listen. Last week at work, my colleagues and I sat through a meeting in which we were repeatedly yelled at and threatened. This isn't an unusual occurrence. We've been called ignorant and useless, as well as narcissistic, power-hungry, and corrupt. We've been accused of endangering children and have even been called child abusers. Maybe you're thinking I should quit my job, but get this. I actually volunteer for this position. I am a Texas school board member. Years ago, I worked in a large city with kids who were poor and in trouble. I saw how a lack of education and opportunity created hurdles that were too large for many young people to manage. The experience made me a fierce proponent of public education. Once I had children of my own, I made sure to get involved. In my suburban school district, I joined the PTA, volunteered in classrooms, helped out in the computer lab, and sat on district-wide planning committees. I believed, and still do, that our public schools are treasures that shine brightest with community support and involvement. My eventual decision to run for school board didn't come lightly. It's a big commitment. 
but my passion for public education was calling me to do more. I knew my time and energy would be tested. I knew it would have difficult decisions to make about finances, curriculum, etc. Here's what I never considered during my campaign. School board members would become a target in a culture war and the last line of defense for kids during a pandemic in which every level of government has failed us. Across the nation and in the Texas district where I serve, our school boards, administrators, teachers, and our public education system are under attack. Angry mobs of people are coming to meetings and to our kids' schools to intimidate, insult, scream, heckle, and disrupt in any way possible. Parents have assaulted teachers, threatened administrators, doxed school board members, and acted out in ways that we would never tolerate in children. And they are doing these things in front of their children. Our schools are engaging students in social emotional learning curricula while parents stage tantrums in the hallways and boardrooms. The mind boggles. Let me be clear, it's not just one side that's out of control. We are told that we are abusing children if we require masks and we are murdering them if we do not. Middle ground is non-existent and compromise is for the weak. And at this American moment, when everything has become you're with us or you're against us, somehow school boards are in the firing line. I wonder daily if I have somehow leapt into the pages of a dystopian novel. I'm a professional with advanced degrees. I'm smart, tenacious, and committed, but I'm not an epidemiologist or virologist. The CDC, however, is chock full of such folks, and presidents, senators, governors, and even county leaders, not school boards, have unfettered access to their public health expertise. We are in a global pandemic. People are dying and ICU beds are full and parents are screaming at school boards to do the right thing, but only if it's their version of the right thing. School board trustees across the country are standing in the middle of a circular firing squad and nobody is coming to the rescue. Angry mobs last threatened schools after Brown versus Board of Education and President Eisenhower called up federal troops to ensure nonviolent desegregation. At this point in history, we are on our own. I am a local elected official working every day to keep schools open and protect our kids. I am buying mace and putting up security cameras. Others are buying guns. Our husbands, wives, and children are scared for our safety. Here's what I know for sure. My colleagues and I will stay the course and keep doing the next right thing, no matter what it means for us. Because when the culture wars are playing out in our schools, we are all losers. And almost every school board member in the country knows it. We are here because we love our students, teachers, administrators, and we love public education. We know that the future of the nation is in our public schools. You may not agree with all our decisions. You may deride, abuse, and threaten us, but we will be here standing in the breach for all our kids. A pretty powerful op-ed, right? So I asked everyone involved if they had any comments to make. Some reflected on the particular paragraph they read, 
and some just in general. I'm very sad that our community is using our children as political pawns. Public schools are the cornerstone of democracy. It is the institution that draws the neighborhood and the community together across all our diversity. That diversity is going to be difficult to manage. It's more difficult now than ever with the divisions in our country. We've got to all come and do as the prophet Isaiah told us, reason together. Come, let us reason together. School board service is a thankless task. School board trustees serve generously, sacrificially, and they deserve our support. So in reading this paragraph, I think of three, three things that stand out to me. Uh, first, motivation. The second is the role of a school board member and this, this person's understanding of the magnitude of that role. And the third thing that sticks out to me is this impact of using children uh, for political gain and the impact of this um, attack on public schools. So I think first, like I appreciate that this person, it didn't come lightly for them to run. The author doesn't appear to have a single issue, like that they wanted to just get on the board to hire or fire a coach. They, they took it very seriously. So their motivation is very important. And they, I guess they, I feel like they understand this role of the team of seven and then the larger role of a team of eight makes up a board. Many districts in Texas have seven, but and then I think that second piece is this understanding that there are difficult decisions. Some are less glamorous than others. Um, and so some are also very unpopular. And I think that this, this person understands all of that. Other roles and other decisions kind of can seem like business as usual, maybe not as flashy. So it feels like this person had a really good understanding of what it's like but then no way to no way even with other things that have happened against public school over the last 20 or 30 years it, it, it seems like it's still such a blow that people would use something like this like a pandemic a global pandemic to attack us and I this article completely resonates with me because We've been called literally child abusers or like we've been called everything, everything that you can think of. So I appreciate that this person took the, took the time to write it down because I feel like it's something I could have written. But I guess I wonder to people who are attacking us as school board members, who wins in a culture war? And is this helpful to our children? And so I think the implications of attacking public school, um, I just want to say like, shame on you. <laughs> shame on people who are doing this. Our kids are looking for leadership and they're not able to vote and they're looking to us. And so a school board should not be the place to be taking advantage of kids. This resonated a lot with me. I think it's kind of a bigger picture of uh, the whole anti-public education scene setting us up for failure and dividing us, so divide and conquer, so they can do anything to drive wedges between different size school districts, different wealth levels, or in this case, between our community and our, our school board members. Because these people, I mean, I see these people every day in the grocery store, in church. I can't go anywhere in a small town where I don't see uh, people who recognize me, who know what I do, see teachers, uh, parents, see my voters everywhere I go. 
And so anything that creates stress or um, any kind of dissension there, I think, is a feather in the cap of the people who are opposed to public education. Man, I feel this so acutely. I I think that this statement that middle ground is non-existent and, and compromises for the weak, I think we're absolutely seeing that play out in many of the decisions that we're making right now as trustees. Much of the public, to them, these decisions are binary. It's yes or no, it's black or white, it's one or zero. The nuance is not there. The compromise is frowned upon. And so as, as trustees, when we're when we're coming together to try and make these really complicated, multifaceted decisions, we're facing a significant amount of public comment and public backlash from people who believe that it's one way or the other, and there's no compromise, there's no middle ground. And it makes it really difficult uh, in some cases to, to understand what we should be doing as trustees and what is best for our communities. And our school board, we we did take a stand to try to produce a mandate, mask mandate. And we did something that was a little unusual. We changed our uh, dress code. And the reason that we did that is because um, our pedi- pediatric group was being overwhelmed by pediatric patients. The only way we felt like we could get students back into school safely was to do something to try to protect them. And even though it was a short-term tool, we used masks as a um, a tool. Um, our hospitals supported that. Our doctors in the community supported that. And our pediatric group supported that. So I felt very comfortable that that was the right thing to do. We did receive a lot of pushback. Uh, ultimately been sued by the attorney general and now have gone to court over something that should be common sense. Um, So I certainly would agree with the concern that a lot of people have that we've entered in a, in a society that is far different than anything I would have expected. But if you look back in history, the same thing occurred in 1918. Um, Masks were, uh, when people started mask mandates in St. Louis, the health department was um, vilified. There were pictures in the paper of uh, a Satanistic group that were masked, and it clearly saved lives. Um, Multiple examples of lives saved. We've seen the same thing happen here. In fact, our numbers for COVID were far less than other school districts until we could no longer use the mass mandate. And then we were like the general population. Uh, Fortunately, we didn't have any deaths. We had some people hospitalized, but you know, we were just lucky. And I just wonder what's going to happen the next time we have another variant that comes through because our ability to stop it has essentially been um, removed. We, we don't have any tools if, our government is not going to allow us to have local control. We're living in a sad time when school board members who volunteer their time and passion for education are living in fear for their lives and their families' lives. Most school board members I know take on this job without compensation because they love their community and want to do what's best for their kids and their future. 
Like the op-ed says, we just need to stay the course and do what's right for our districts. I then asked them, why do you serve? I serve for the students and the staff. I want to ensure that our students have a bright future, and I want to ensure that our teachers have what they need to make our students thrive. You know, it started as uh, I'm a parent. I have kids in schools, and it started as something that I thought, you know, I wanted to be able to make a difference and and do some good for for my kids and the people that they you know were in school with. Uh, but what it's evolved into now is you know a broad look at at public ed at our community in general, at the direction that it takes. And so, you know, it's really turned into this, what sort of impact can I have on a district that's 47% Hispanic? And I just happen to be the only Hispanic elected official in my community. And so it's turned into this, what can I do to help represent people that are underrepresented in my community? So that's how I look at it now. And I try really hard to be a voice for, for those kids and the growing population of Hispanic community in, in our area. So, I serve because I believe all our children deserve an opportunity to receive an education, a good quality education. We have a long way to go in that because we have in, increased numbers of poor kids and at-risk kids. There are a number of reasons for that, societal reasons, demographic reasons, economic reasons. We can correct that. We can fix it. And the way to fix it is through great public schools that are properly funded, get rid of the privatization of public education, make public schools a public trust like it always has been, reaffirm education as a universal moral value supported by everyone in the public. That is why I serve. That is why I'm giving latter years of my career to preserving and protecting public education for all Texas children, for all American children. It's the right thing to do. I serve because when I became a single mom of six kids, those teachers became other mothers and fathers to me, to my kids. Currently, where I work, I see how much of an impact a teacher has on the entire lifetime of a student. So this is the best way for me to impact the future is to make sure we're taking care of public schools. Um, very similar to the author of this op-ed. Um, I became involved um, when my children were in, in school and the principal actually called me and asked me to get involved. And I became first involved in, in PTA and uh, homeroom mom would come make cookies or, you know, however they needed help, I was there to help became involved in PTA, moved up the leadership uh, there on the campus level and the district level, state board and all that, and then kind of realized what my next, through, actually through PTA, became uh, friends with some people who were serving as trustees in, in their district, realized that that was another way I could uh, make a difference and make a difference for students who didn't have that parent at home who was advocating for them. So that's my why. Uh, and has been my wife. So my kids are, you know, 27 and 32. So long gone, but still interested in participating. I serve because I think education is fundamentally important. I'm two generations away from my grandfather being born on a farm and going to a one room K through eight country schoolhouse. And when I see how education has 
propagated through my family and that's translated into success for my family, uh, it, it's no question that education is the key to successful careers and that education is the key to a successful future. I absolutely believe that strong public education is the way that we remain uh, competitive in a global economy and that we are able to function as a society. Things like teaching our children social emotional skills so that they can be good citizens, teaching, uh, teaching STEM skills so that they're competitive for high paying jobs when they get out of school. I think all of these are fundamental to our, our future. And I'm happy to be a part of that and to try and do what I can to support that. 15 years ago, I, I um, and I still have the same feeling today. I, um, I saw a lot of contention in school boards in our area. Uh, I did not have any, uh, th three of my children graduated from the local school district where I serve. And uh, I felt like education needed to be placed first instead of things like, um, you know, who the coach was, and what our school record was. Um, uh, we needed to be considerate of what it, that kids were going on and getting some advanced degree. And rather than worrying about whether they were going to get an athletic scholarship, we needed to be uh, concerned about their future, their long-term future. So. Um, I wanted to bring some civility to the school board, not worry about the things that we don't need to worry about, but worry about education. And so that's the reason that I serve. I was an athlete and, you know, I, I think the opportunity to have extracurricular activities in schools is very important, but it shouldn't be the sole thing. And we shouldn't fight over that. There are a lot of things that we need to fight over and it should be getting the best education for our students. I have served on the school board for eight years. In the beginning, I thought it would be a great way to give back to the district that did so much for my older kids. And I really liked the idea of being part of the decisions that would affect my younger kids' education. Over time though, I've realized that my role as trustee is so much bigger than that. I have 14,000 reasons to serve the 14,000 students in our district. I take great pride in knowing that the decisions made by our board team will make a positive impact on students' education, which will improve our community for decades to come. I hope you enjoyed this episode and will share it with your friends and maybe your legislators. Again, thank you for your service and thank you for listening to Annette on Education.